Well, indeed, a good morning. It is always so good to come together now in 2020, or still 2020, I should say. How's that New Year's resolution going? How's that New Year's resolution going? And we're talking about New Year's resolutions. We're talking about acting on and acting out. So if you made a resolution in 2020 for something, to modify your behavior or your patterns, your actions, you decided to act on something. It's that first step, first step to act on something. And then the time on from that is to act it out to continue to take the next step and the next step and the next step for the duration of time to act on and to act out. John the Baptist is given a commission by God to act on and act out his calling as a witness to bear witness of the light. That's exactly who he is. A witness to bear witness. The commission that God had given him for his life to act on the calling as a witness, and to act it out for all of his life. That means that this commissioning that God gave John the Baptist to be a forerunner before Jesus would come, before the one who has life in himself, before the light would, uh, and, and, and the light would come and take on flesh and dwell among us, that this commissioning was to impact all of his life, not simply as a, as a resolution-type content of a first step, but as a next step and a next step for all of his life, as a witness to bear witness. And he did so in, in three components, three components that we see in John's life that we're going to note together this morning. My prayer for us is that we would see in the same way a similar commissioning that God has for us. You see, God calls each of us, male and female, old and young, single or married, every season of life, we are called as witnesses to bear witness to the light. Now, John's calling is unique because he was sent before the light had come. But those who know Jesus, our calling to consume all of our life is to be witnesses, to bear forth witness of the goodness of the gospel, the one in whom God so loved us that he would send his son for us. This is the calling that God gives us. In John's life, we're going to note this morning three components that just as they were descriptive of John's life, so too for you and, and, and me, for each of us. If we grasp these, we'll be able to walk out the calling and the commissioning that God has given to us as witnesses to bear witness. And they're these. We'll note in John's life that he had a clear understanding of, of who he was. He knew who he was. Second, we'll note that John knew exactly who he was not. And third, in addition to knowing who he was and who he was not, he had a right understanding of the glory of God. Those three components compartmentalize or describe for us John's life and his success in fulfilling the commissioning that God has given him as a witness to bear witness of the light that was for him to come. So by God's grace, would the same happen in our lives? Would this become descriptors that God would give us a, a clear understanding of who each of us are? And in that, a clear understanding of who we are not and ultimately then a greater understanding of the glory of God that is worth our lives as witnesses who bear witness. So let's note first and foremost that John understood who he was. John understood who he was. In this, God's Word or the world, some other supplementary identity, will be our dividing line for understanding who we are. 
Somebody asked you the question, who are you? How would you describe that? John's identity was given to us in verse 7 and 8. There was a man sent from God. He was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. We noted last week a little bit that God is in the business of the sending business, the triune God. The God in His great love would send the Son who would take on flesh and dwell among us, the God-man. The Father would also send the forerunner before Him, the one prophesied of old in Malachi and Isaiah. This forerunner, John the Baptist. But I want to note some other texts. So as you open your Bibles to John, if you don't have a Bible, please do follow along in the Pewback Bible in front of you of this idea of being a sent witness. This idea of witness. It's, we, we understand it as the word martyr. It, it, it's the Greek word taken right in. Of that of, of being a witness, one who testifies. What does a witness do? They bear witness. So let's make this interactive. What does a witness do? They bear witness. That's the job. So notice the word witness and, and how the Lord uses it in the Gospel of John. I want us to note all the ways that it's used. How the Father testifies, how the Son testifies, how the Spirit testifies, how the signs that Jesus does, they testify of this great love of God that is ours in Christ. And you and I then are witnesses as well. This continues on. So look to John 2.25. John 2.25. Jesus, he, he does not hear early on the Gospel of John. It seems like this might be a three-chapter book. It might be shorter than the Epistle of John. The Gospel of John written not by John the Baptist, but John the Apostle. And, and there's a situation where many seem to believe. They says they believe in Jesus. And yet Jesus does not entrust Himself over to them for this reason. John, John chapter 2, verse 25. He was working and He knew all people. And, and He, in verse 25, says He needed no one to bear witness about man, for He Himself knew what was in man. Men and women were fallen. We are, as Stephen said earlier, we are sinners who sin. That's what we do. We are sinners who sin. We're fallen in Jesus who was there at creation. Jesus, the eternal Son in flesh. eternal Son has always been. He was there at creation. He saw the fall. He was there at the fall. He didn't need somebody to bear witness to Him about the nature of man, of those who claim to believe in Him, but in this case, they really did not. Go down to John chapter 5. Let's continue to note where this word bearing witness is used. In John 5.36, this word martyrio used again, Jesus, He speaks of John the Baptist bearing witness about Him. And He says that in addition to John, the miracles that Jesus does, they aren't simply to make people well, but the miracles that Jesus does testify about Him. They confirm for others who exactly Jesus is. And in John chapter 5, verse 36, the works that the Father has given Me to accomplish the very works that I am doing, they bear witness about me and that the Father has sent me. So the miracles point us to Jesus. We don't go chasing miracles. We go chasing and following the Jesus who did the miracles. That's what they were doing. So the miracles themselves were testifying who Jesus was. Look to John 7.7. 7. John 7.7. 7. And Jesus is, is giving this encouraging statement to His disciples about how they should expect to be treated by the world and how the world views Him. Notice what He says, John 7, 7. And Jesus says to His brothers that the world hates Me because I 
testify, I witness about it. And its works are evil, and the world does not enjoy that. Go down to John 8, 18. John 8, 18. In this situation, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. He says, I am the one who bears witness about Myself, and the Father who sent Me bears witness about Me. Again, the, we'll note the relationship between the Son and the Father. Unity. And we'll note next week the relationship of the Spirit who remains on Jesus for all of His ministry. John 15. John 15, 26-27. And we get a two-for-one special here. This is exciting. John 15, 26-27. We get a two-for-one special. Jesus says to His disciples of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Note this. But when the Helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. We saw Jesus earlier. Grace and truth are on Jesus. From the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. So the Holy Spirit, part of exactly who the Holy Spirit is, He the person of the Holy Spirit, He will bear witness about Jesus. But also, verse 27, speaking to His disciples, and you also, disciples, you will bear witness because you have been with Me from the beginning. So the, the Father bears witness about the Son. The Son bears witness. The miracles bear witness about the identity of the Son. The Spirit bears witness about Jesus. The disciples are to go forth bearing witness as well. It's a witnessing story. It's a sense story of love filled with people who bear witness because it's what they do. It's who they are. And finally, look to John 21-24. There were more we could have noted, but John 21-24. The very book we're reading is itself a witness. The very book we're reading is a witness. We're listening to an eyewitness. One who has put together a reliable account, certainly. In John 21-24, the very book, the Gospel of John itself, he calls it a true witness about these things. A true witness about these things. This consumed John's life. He knew who he was. He was a witness sent to bear witness. That's who he was. When he's approached as we read a moment ago, by the scribes and the priests. They ask him a question. They're trying to figure out exactly who he is. And look down to verse, back to John chapter 1. Verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So, so what is the bedrock which defines John's identity? It is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit who rested on John from the very beginning, from birth. The Spirit-breathed Word is John's understanding for his identity. Therefore, we also ought to wake up and to take note. This is the foundation for our lives. There is ultimate, every one of us, there's an authority that's the final word for who you are, for who I am. For John the Baptist, it is God's Word that is the identity, His Spirit-breathed Word. It is the, the final defining, the, defining line for His identity. So what about for us? For each of us, we have to ask that question. What's the final word of understanding of who I am? If you're married, who we are? What's our purpose? Single, working, all these areas. What's your purpose? Who are you? Who decides that? Who defines that out in your life? Scripture defines John's identity. He quoted Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, a text we'll return to in, in a short amount of time. But there's a multitude of 
people and voices and words out there that want to define your identity. So I've listed some in our next steps later on, but, but here's a few of them, just six, that we're tempted to believe that all of us in here, before we came to faith in Jesus Christ, had our identity defined by at least one of these and probably a combination of these and maybe even a multitude more. So who are you? Are you defined by what you do? Is your identity and value based in what has been done to you? Is it in what you feel? Is your identity in where you go? Is it ultimately your relationship status? Is it what people say about you? Is it in what you have? Is it in fill in the blank? What is your base identity? John the Baptist knew who he was. He knew that he was a witness who was sent by God to bear witness of the light. He's a witness, so what's he going to do? I'm going to bear witness so that all might believe. That's his calling. Friends, that's our calling in life. There's no greater purpose that God has given us. And every one of us that trusts Christ before that point has a testimony, your testimony, your story, your witness, your bearing witness, who you were before you knew Jesus, before you knew the love of God in Jesus Christ, when you came to understand the gospel, the good news of God's love for us, that he would love you and send his son for you. Jesus would live the holy, righteous life fulfilling all the demands of Scripture and He would lay His life down on the cross living a righteous and good life, a holy life. This exchange would take place on the cross that He would bear our burdens, our sins on His body on the tree. He would be crucified laying His life down. He would defeat death and raise again. And that all who trust in Jesus, to Jew and to Gentile, you have forgiveness and adoption in Jesus Christ. You are now holy in Him. You're beautiful in Him. You're righteous in Him. You're pure in Him. You're adopted in Him. This is your identity, believer. That's your story. And then, then the last part is, what's the, how's the Lord growing me in Christ's likeness since then? How's He growing me and stretching me as I'm called to be a witness who bears witness of the truth of the Gospel? That's the good news. So if you don't know Jesus, come to know Jesus and gain a testimony today. Become a witness. We hear that word martyr. That's the word. Become a witness who will bear witness to the truth in all of your life. It is that witnessing story. John knows who he is and it will cost him his life later on. But he knows who he is. Who is he? He is sent from God as a witness to bear witness. Believer in Jesus Christ, yes, he came before John. He has a, Jesus, he has a unique story. John the Baptist has a unique story and the order of operations. But you and I, who are we? We are a witness sent by God, saved and sent by God to bear witness of the life and love and truth of Jesus in all of our life. That's who you are, truly. So praise God, this morning we can gather together on this cold morning and we can be reminded. So if our minds have forgotten that and we find our identity in something else that really isn't ultimately our identity, praise God, this morning we've been reminded together. Isn't God's Word good? So John understood who he was 
Second, he understood who he was not. He understood who he was not. Verse 19 through 21, John the Baptist understands that he is not the light. The author, the Apostle John, wants to make sure that the reader who begins reading the Gospel of John understands that John the Baptist, though he's important and used by God, John the Baptist is not the hero of the story. It's not all about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is an amazing man. A matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says of John that he is the greatest man born among women. I've got to be honest. If Jesus said that about me, that would for sure be on my business card. Right? Is, here you go. It's being modest. That's incredible. But right away, he makes very clear exactly who he is not. Now, so, so listen to this. Who did, who did they send? Who did the Pharisees send to go check out John? They sent scribes and priests. And who is John? He is born of Zechariah, a priest. So they send some priests to go examine who this man is out in the wilderness, preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He's preparing the way for Jesus. And they come to examine him and his life, and they ask him a question. Who are you? And his first answer that he gives is not who he is, it's who he is what? Not. It's who he is not. He's crystal clear on this. He is not the Lord. So they ask him a number of questions. They say, are you Elijah? Now remember, we saw this in Malachi. I'm so glad we studied through Malachi before we walked through this book. So there was one like Elijah that would come. But he's answering the question, even though Jesus would tell us, yes, he, that John fulfilled this responsibility of Elijah, this forerunner. But to answer the priests and scribes' questions sent by the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, he says, I am not Elijah. Remember, Elijah never died. So he said, I'm not, I'm not Elijah. So they ask him a second question, are you the prophet? And the article, the, is used to say this is not just a prophet, this is the prophet. Singular category of its own. So you're not Elijah, John. Are you the prophet? That's Deuteronomy 18. Where God tells Moses, there'll be one like you from among your brothers that will come. So they're thinking, okay, you're not Elijah. Are you the prophet? Are you Moses? And he says, no. Not him either. He knows very clearly exactly who he is. He is not the Christ. If we are to fulfill the great commandments to love God and love others as recipients of the Gospel, the good news of Jesus, if we're to fulfill the great commission that God's given us, to go forth and make disciples to the ends of the earth, we must remember on a regular basis who we are not. We are not the Christ. We are not the light. We are not the ones that have life in and of ourselves. We are ones who bear witness of the light. And when we forget that and make ourselves the center of our stories, the center of what and who we want to talk about, we will find ourselves in a crushing position. We'll find ourselves stumbling when it comes to fulfilling our purpose of this great commission that God has given us as sent ones sent to bear witness about the Jesus who has come and who is coming again. There is none greater than John the Baptist. So consider this. There's none greater than John the Baptist. 
yet he was not qualified to be the center of his life. He fulfilled the Nazarite vow. He, he wouldn't touch any dead things or dead, dead, dead people, none of that dead stuff. Nazarite vow, this, when you read it, you're thinking, okay, he never cut his hair. He never drank any wine. He has these unique qualifications of this holy man that was set apart for a peculiar purpose to fulfill a mission. And Jesus says about him, there's none greater. And he knows he is not qualified to be the center of his life or the center of anybody else's life. What wisdom. What a gracious gift of God when we remember that we're not the center of the story that we walk out in our lives. Grace Bible Church is a, I, I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for our congregation. And, but we're not the center of the town. Right? We're not the center of our lives. The mission that God has given us is witnesses. The Lord is the center of our lives. And when we put ourselves in position to be the center, we get crushed. Now, Scripture will be fulfilled. There was no doubt that John the Baptist would do exactly what God called him to do, but he's still responsible for it, and he still did it. So I want to make that clear. The prophecy foretold that one would come before Jesus and bear witness. So all that was going to happen. I say all that for this reason. So, so that way there's no doubt in our mind that something else was going to happen. It was going to happen, and it happened just as God said it would. Everything that God says will come true, will come true, and it does come true. Scripture's worth our life. But I say this. What if John the Baptist would have answered their question, are you the Christ? What if he answered simply by saying, yes. What if John the Baptist, the greatest man born of a woman, would have said, yeah, I am the Christ. You see, he already had a following. He was already having some sense of followers and fame that was taking place. That's why the Pharisees sent the scribes and the priests out there to begin with. With one word, he would have become, in our culture, as it says, insta-famous. Immediately. He would have had the followership of followership. Not only that, but the Jews would have been ecstatic. The religious zealots at the time, these zealots that were hoping for and aiming to, to evacuate Rome by ultimately by force, they would have surely immediately come out to the wilderness and posed as his secret service. He would have had thousands of thousands of literal followers rallying at his every word. Can you imagine how that attention and that glory would have felt. John the Baptist says, no, I am not. Just like an angel, every time in Scripture where, where angels themselves are worshipped, what do they do? Nope, not me. Don't you do I'm No, I'm not God. I know who I am not. And John knows who he is not. And what would have happened? Well, we know what would have probably happened to John the Baptist if he would, if he would have done this. In Acts chapter 5, Gamaliel gives this answer, this, this statement of previous men that came along and led revolts. They're men we've never even heard of really in our day-to-day, -day, most of us probably. In Acts 5, he says men like Thudius and men like Judas the Galilean, men who begun revolts on their own and they were squashed out. John the Baptist would have been a spark in the wilderness. He knows who he is not, so he's able to fulfill the commissioning 
even though there's unbelievable pressure, had to be temptation and pressure to say yes. He knew who He was not. What a crushing thing in our lives when we make ourselves the Christ of our story. We make crummy Christ, don't we? We do. If you've been in a friendship with somebody that made you the center of their life, the Christ of their life, it's crushing, isn't it? If they made you the Savior of their life, it's a crushing thing. Because you can't do it, so all you're going to do is crush them. And if you make yourself the Christ of your life, the Savior and hero of your story, you're going to crush yourself. John the Baptist, the greatest man, says, no, I am not the Christ. He came as a witness to bear witness. It's a tragic thing when we as parents make our children their own leaders, their own lords, their own Christ, their own center of their stories. We set them up to be crushed. But our purpose, like John, is to set them up to bear witness. That's our purpose in all of our life, is to be witnesses who bear witness of the light. That's the good news. That's the hope that God gives us. That's the commissioning that God gives us each in our unique professions, in our unique places of living, in your classes that you take if you're a student. Every purpose, every aspect of our life is to be people that are ever pointing to Jesus. This is good news for all of our life. This is our purpose. What will people say about your story and my story when it comes to the very end? At a funeral in a time of eulogy, there's a statement, there's statements that are given of the person. And we mentioned identities that are given earlier that describe us. But could there be any better thing said about any of our lives than to say they were always pointing people to Jesus? They were a good parent. They were a great boss. They were a hard worker. A wonderful neighbor. But wow, they were always pointing people to Jesus. Our ultimate commissioning will, I think, rise to the top in what we live for. Yes, we want to be faithful workers. Yes, we want to be faithful bosses. Yes, we want to be faithful students. Yes, we want to be faithful and joyful in all the tasks that God gives us, in all the places that we live faithful. But in all of these things, our calling, our ultimate calling, is to be pointing people to Jesus. To be witnesses who bear witness. And if we forget that, we will point people to ourselves. But what a gift that God gives us. Listen, what a good news we have to be able to point people to, to share with people. Every one of us has unique circles of influence. And every one of us is equipped and called by God for this season of your life, for this season of my life, to point those people to Jesus as a witness who bears witness. That will only happen if I know who I am and I know who I am not. So thank you, Lord, through this text for the reminder this morning. And thirdly, we note that John understood the glory of God. He knew who he was. He knew who he was not. And he understood the glory of God. Zoom into verse 27 of chapter 1. He understood the glory of God. Look what he said. 
of Jesus, of the one who has life in himself, of the one who is light, who comes and takes on flesh, fully God, fully man. Look what John the Baptist says about Jesus. He says, even he who comes after me. He says, I'm not Christ. I'm the one that prepares the way. And even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He knows the glory of God. Remember earlier I said we come back to Isaiah 40? Look to Isaiah 40. Flip over to Isaiah 40. I'll give you time to flip there. Maybe. Look to Isaiah 40. Now he quoted Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. But I think in John's mind, he's also thinking through that whole little paragraph, a little pericope. And we'll look down to verse 5. We'll read 3 through 5, but he quoted in his answer of who he is, he quotes Isaiah 40, verse 3. Scripture is the defining reality, understanding of who he is. As a sent one of God. So he says who he is in verse 3, but I believe the text naturally goes on to verse 5, and he has this in mind as he describes the one that will come after him. Jesus, the one he describes as one that John was not worried to untie his sandal. So look at Isaiah 40, verse 3 through 5. I'll read it for us. It says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's what he quoted to them. But look in 4 and 5. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Now look at verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. We saw that in John 1 earlier, that all might believe. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. John knows who he is. And he may be the best of among women that's born, but he knows he is not even as the best fit to untie the sandal of the light who's been made flesh. Of the one fit that God the Father would send. He would not be qualified to unbuckle his shoe. That is not John putting himself down. You ever hear this idea of humility like that of somebody that just kind of puts himself down? That's not humility. That's not humility to, to kick yourself. But John's statement that he's not fit to untie the sandal strap, the dirty sandal strap of Jesus is not putting Himself down. It's grasping the glory of the Lord that will be revealed after Him in the person of Jesus Christ, the One who dwelt among us, that He is so glorious that truly the greatest man was not fit to untie His dirty sandal. And if John not, is not, what about us? I'm not fit to touch the dirt that He walked on. None of us are. And so keep this in mind when we come to John 13. What does the one, John, who's not even qualified to unbuckle Jesus' dirty sandal do? What does he do? In John 13, he kneels down and he washes his disciples' feet. These men who are constantly lacking faith and squabbling among themselves, one of them will betray him shortly. And he kneels down and washes their feet. That is love. That's the one that we get to bear witness about. That's the greatest story. 
What a tragedy when we make ourselves the center of the ones we testify of. That's not, we're not nearly as good of a story as the good news of the Gospel of John. That's the story of life and light. That's the story that's worth our lives. And not simply worth our lives, but worth our service on a daily, slow, faithful, grinding basis of faithfulness together. That's good news. That's the good news of gathering together as the, as the body of Christ, as a local congregation, that we remember who Jesus is. His glory, which helps us to realign in the rest of our lives who we are and who we are not. He is the one we bear witness of. What a gift that God gives us in the good news of the Gospel. This is worth our everything. Amen? Amen. Next steps. Next steps. Three next steps question. Number one, I am who God says I am as given by His Word. We see that in John's life. We see that in our life. So I listed a number of those. Which of these, this is for you personally, so don't, don't cheat off your neighbor on this. Look at that list there in your next steps. You don't have to be bold enough to circle one right now in case your friend's looking off your paper. But if you would, on your sheet, I've listed a number of those. Which of these inaccurate, inaccurate identities am I most easily tricked into believing? I am what I do. I am what has been done to me. I am what I feel. I am where I go. I am what I have. I am what my peers say about me. Now you can add another. There's plenty of space to add another one that you find yourself sadly and inaccurately believing for your identity. This morning, resolve in your heart, you are who God says you are by His Word. Hear the Word of Jesus and do it. Build on the good foundation. Number two, all people are sent on mission. We know that. All people are sent. The scribes and the Pharisees. We didn't, we didn't touch that this morning, but the Pharisees sent the scribes and the priests. They're on mission too. All people are sent. The question is, what are we sent for? What mission are we pursuing and living out? And so I list another of those that we're tricked into pursuing for our life. Are we tricked into pursuing pleasure, comfort, power, success, possessions, or recognition? And you can add your own in there. You find yourself being lured away from your ultimate mission as a witness to bear witness. To be and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. And third, when we understand the truth of who we are, who we are not in the glory of God, we live to fulfill God's commission. If you don't know Christ as your Lord, let today become the turning point of your story. Let today become the day you pledge allegiance to Christ, you receive forgiveness in His name. In Him, we have life. We have love. We have peace. We have hope. We have forgiveness and we have adoption of sons and heirs in Jesus Christ. He's worthy of our life, isn't He? He's good. Would you stand with me as we sing in response to Him?